Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Our next guest is the co-founder and CEO of a very cool national charity here in Canada, which is called Canada Learning Code. Her name is Melissa, and I'm going to mess this up, Melissa. Sarafadine? Yeah, that's great. That's close enough? Or is that good? Like, I mean, yeah, we, no, we got it. Okay. Yeah, you they're, got it. They're awesome. <laughs> Thank, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm excited to talk about this because I have two kids uh, in elementary. Actually, my son's just in starting high school. So when yeah, people talk about learning code and STEM and everything that goes around that, I'm a super big supportive fan of this because I want my kids and I, I think everybody wants their kids to be you know, set up for success. And I think starting to teach them code at a young age it's just like learning a new language you pick it up a lot quicker and easier and it makes it gives them so much more builds them for success so i'm guessing that's probably one of the reasons the organization exists but i'll i'll let you paraphrase yeah, I was going to say, you're hired. Like, you're enjoying us at any time. <laughs> no, that's definitely what it is. I mean, there's a few different, um, you know, reasons for teaching computer science or coding. And, and coding is really one section or one component of computer science, which we often talk about. But I, I often joke, you know, Canada learning computer science is just a mouthful. So code is a bit of a code name for something bigger. And that includes coding, hardware, design, data, and then social impact of technology. And so when you think about that broader definition, you know, it's really important that youth and everybody have the skills to build technology, but also have a sense of agency for how it works, know kind of privacy, know what, you know, how, um, how their information may be used. And these are all components of computer science that we, we talk about. So it is really about giving people these foundational skills like science, like math. Not everyone's going to be a scientist, not everyone's going to be a mathematician. But what's really important is that, you know, when you flick on the light switch, um, you know, or you need to do some basic math on a discount at the grocery store, um, you understand how to do that. And so there's that component. And then certainly there's a shortage of tech workers in Canada. They're jobs yeah. that are compelling. They're competitive. They're well paid. So we want some people to do that as well. Now, uh, I'm in Quebec. I know you're based uh, in London, Ontario. Ontario is mandating um, coding or, or this kind of education for grades one to nine in their curriculum for the first time. Um, and in Alberta, I know they're they're doing stuff under the proposed curriculum act. Um, I wish this was across the board. I wish this was in every single province, every single city. Uh, is that part of your mission to try and maybe drive that and try to get people to adopt that like Ontario is? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we first started 11 years ago, it wasn't anywhere it's in the K-8 space. High school computer science has been around for quite some time, um, but yeah, that's part of our work. We've actually worked with a group of advisors across the country a couple of years ago to develop what we call the Pan-Canadian K-12 computer science framework, another mouthful, but it really sets out a shared definition for this work and also progressions or you know what we expect them at the end of grade 12 to learn. And more and more provinces and territories are bringing computer science into the K eight curriculum in small ways. What we see in Ontario in math and science is a really great first start. Um, you know, it's something that we, you know, we know that students are going to be exposed to, but there is so much more because technology is so deep. Uh, and, you know, you've got kids, I've got a you know, 15 month old and she already knows how to swipe. So we need to oh, really yeah. catch up and make ground, um, you know, in terms of giving kids these skills to go beyond just consuming the technology that they're using all the time. Now, your organization has basically built a solution to give educators everything they need to teach computer science, right, across the ages, across the levels. What is that solution, and how do you pitch it to to that community? Because I find in some cases, at least in the school system where I am, that they're really they're either really behind in the times and thinking in certain elements, but then 
you look on to the right, another element of what they're doing is super ahead. And so you kind of wonder like, oh, yeah. why aren't you guys clicking? Like, why don't you guys understand this? Is that challenging for you guys? Yeah, well, there are, you know, we're a whole bunch of te teachers and, you know, there's teachers that have been doing this for quite some time and are progressive and they, you know, um, work with us. They've been contributors to these different projects that we've done. And then there's certainly maybe the more reluctant or the less experienced teacher who, you know, didn't use technology or didn't grow up with technology and doesn't, you know, maybe understand its inner workings themselves. So our offerings, we've got workshops, we've got lesson plans, we've got a learning portal you can access at your own pace, you know, all these different things really intended for anybody and especially those who've never actually seen a line of code, who've never taught this, who want to pick it up and teach their students. And I think the thing that you know I've always been most inspired and, and um, I admire the most is that the teachers that come to us, a lot of them again, don't have any experience with technology, yeah. but they know their students are interested. They know their students connect to technology, especially those who may have learning exceptionalities. And so they want to do what's best for their students. They do they do want to learn. Um, but, you know, if you've never picked up a device yourself or you're not used to it, like there's this reluctance and there's just this lack of knowledge that we're trying to bridge in the most beginner friendly, accessible, um, you know, to beginner way that we possibly can. Because um, teachers do want to do things that are in the best interest of their students. We know that for sure. Now, you know, I think, you know, the term you can't you know, teach, you know, old dog new tricks. Is that the one? I mean, <laughs> yeah. we've seen this across industry, right, where you have an older generation who just are reluctant. They like the way they do it. They're happy the way they do it. They like paper. They want to do it. And I'm sure those are the most challenging people to get through to. But at the end of the day, they're doing a job. They're getting paid to do it. And they have to do it if the, if the school board wants it. Um, mm -hmm. what, are there any situations that you found yourself in that have been more challenging than others when trying to get your message across that ended up in success that you can kind of say afterwards, like that was, that was pretty hard. Uh, well, I, we have these like aha moments all the time in our programs for teachers. Um, and I think that the, the shift or the change that is really hard for everyone, even if you're experienced in, in our work and, and in our experience is that, you know, when you're working with technology, it, you know, the students, especially in K to eight, they generally know more than a teacher, even an experienced teacher. They do. They just are engaging differently. They're like they've been exposed differently than most of us. And so the role of a teacher shifts from what you would see or you'd expect in a traditional classroom. And this sort of notion of, you know, a teacher being at the front of the room, um, you know, having answers, guiding students through a lesson or through some work. Um, where when technology and the work that we do, it's often a lot more exploratory. And we say that the teacher takes this role of a lead learner. Um, and they're helping the, the student learn, um, you know, they're troubleshooting with the student, um, you know, not for the student, um, and, you know, they're learning right alongside. So I think that's where there's the most breakthrough often is when, um, you know, teachers come to our experiences and see this role that they can play. They don't need to have all the answers. They need to have enough to kind of give some direction to students. Um, but I think that's where there's a lot of transformation is that you don't, you don't need to be an expert in this to help students explore it, learn, build. Um, and yeah, and it's just a really different way of thinking about um, that that role in the classroom. What about on the student side of things? Have you seen, have you gotten feedback from the students or through teachers about their experience using the systems that you're trying to implement? 
Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we call those the magic moments. So we have a channel, we use Slack as an organization. We have a channel and like every couple of hours, there's something in there. Um, you know, I love, you know, stories we've just seen recently where we're in classrooms and um, we're, we do a lot of stuff virtually right now and we'll run yeah. a workshop and, you know, the, some kids will come up against a problem and we've, we've heard a kid shout out like, you know, um, oh, this is so hard. And then another student saying, well, we can do hard things and, you know, we know how to troubleshoot this. And so, you know, the kids love the te technology for the most part. It's engaging. It's interesting. Yes, it's, you know, there are problems and there, you know, are times where your code doesn't work, but they see that as a learning opportunity. And, and I think those are definitely the most powerful classrooms is when the educator is sort of fostering that like it's okay we don't know how to do this I don't know it either um, we're gonna learn together um, and you know you just hear those stories and those magic moments of, of people really learning um, alongside one another and, and really shifting yeah you know that expectation of, of what a classroom looks like how long have you been how long have you guys been in an organization 11 years 11 years. So, so I'm sure you've, you've seen some, some success with students who have started in the program and have now come 11 years. Are there any, are there any uh, of those stories that you have that can, that come top of mind that you can talk about? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I can think of I put you on the spot here. Individuals and students. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 for sure. No, I no, I definitely can. Like, I mean, we, what is most exciting, you know, 11 years in is that those students that started us with us when they were maybe eight years old, they're now in university and college and they're graduating. Um, you know, I actually just got a LinkedIn message a, a week ago or so from one of our graduates who started with us as a summer camper and went all the way through our team program and was like, hey, I saw you have a job that you're, you know, you're posting for. Like, you know, I, I'm interested. Let's talk about it. And so we are seeing our alumni on the youth side go into computer science at University of Waterloo, um, Toronto Metropolitan University, you know, all sorts of places across the country, which is really amazing. We're seeing them come back to teach others. I think that's really powerful. That's is that cool. They now feel confident enough and they're, they're teaching and they're definitely pretty cool. Um, and just to have that, you know, a couple years ahead of, of some of the students, you know, I think that's just, it's awesome. They, they, they're really relevant and they respond. Um, and so that's exciting as well. And, and then we do work in programming um, for, for adults as well, the teachers, but also adult learners. And, and we, you know, have lots of really great impact there, people taking on new skills at work, um, you know, finding new jobs as a result of our workshop. So yeah, no shortage of magic moments that we have uh, 11 years in. Okay, I've got a personal challenge for you, a personal situation that I have. Okay, so my son uh, is just entering high school here in Quebec, so that's grade seven. So he's 12 years old. He's going to be 13 in December. He, um, a really smart kid. Uh, he's into computers. He loves playing Minecraft. I had him in Minecraft coding uh, last year for, for about a year. He, he was pretty bored with it. He got pretty bored with it, and he wasn't and as much as I try to explain to him that he's learning things that he doesn't realize he's learning, he's learning logic and functions and things in a way that yeah. he doesn't, it's not just, you know, like playing Swift playgrounds or something like that on an iPad. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm yeah. trying to empower him. I said, Zach, you know, doing this is it's I, I know it seems boring but it's, it's fun it's going to get you to somewhere down the road where you're going to be able mm -hmm. to do things you've never even thought of but he's resistant to it even though he's on his yeah. computer all the time playing minecraft always playing you know he's always glued to it he doesn't he doesn't care about running around or doing any of that other kid stuff how would you approach someone like that how do you how do you entice someone like that to i guess you almost have to kind of con them into re not thinking they're 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 learning almost at the end of the day yeah 
Yeah, yeah, a really good question. And, and you know, you know, there's this interesting phenomenon. I have a nephew, um, you know, not that much older. And, you know, he'll spend a lot of time watching kids play video games on Twitch. You know, they're not even yeah. playing, right? And that's no, they're just watching. Consuming, yeah, right? Um, where I love when, you know, and I talk about screen time and like when it depends on what the kids, do, you know, doing, if they're building, you know, if they're creative mode and they're, you know, having to sort of uh, create these environments and, you know, these, these, these stories or these kind of products like that's amazing right that's that's truly what we're trying to accomplish but what we found um and we talked about a lot about this in early days with respect to um young girls and we talked about it from a gender perspective but what we're finding you know is is really universal in a lot of our team programming is that like you kind of need that so what you need this like problem to solve or the thing that you're building um, you know, it's not maybe enough to kind of meander and you know like in again in a creative mode to just make this thing here and there like kids do want something that has a kind of a, a bigger purpose and so you know maybe thinking about a program we've got teams programming a plug there but you know thinking about you know is there a website of a certain thing he wants to create is there a particular problem around the house to solve you know there's some really really interesting hardware type um you know uh content and workshops or maybe it's like create a of a digital lock for your door, you know, like finding something that has a bigger purpose to motivate them to build. Um, for adults, we often say like, create your, you know, don't create a website for yourself, create one for someone else, because you're going to be more incentivized and motivated to do a good job for them and take it over the finish line than you might be like for yourself, just wanting to learn. So that would be my advice is like trying to find a connection to something a little bit bigger um, and a problem maybe that he's interested in solving. Okay, I like that. You know, I, I, my idea was, you know, gamify it, you know, try to find a way that, you know, made it fun without making it seem. But I mean, everybody, and that's, I think, the, the biggest challenge that you probably have to deal with is, is everybody's different. Everybody learns differently. Everybody understands differently. And that barrier must be uh, a true challenge to try and deal with. Oh, for sure. And I think also in the balance of like the intrinsic and the extra, extrinsic motivation too, right? And and I think there are some challenges, you know, to that are presented by computer science and coding being in the curriculum where it's something that everybody has to learn. I think we're going to have to navigate that, right? We're going to have to yeah. find things that connect for all sorts of learners. That's what we want. We want everybody to have access. You know, long, I think long gone should be the days where someone just stumbles upon this magic skill set and then gets to become, you know, the Mark Zuckerberg of the world, right? Like everyone should have an equal shot, shot to do that. But it yeah. just means now that, yeah, there there's going to have to be different ways in for everybody, but that's where also computer science and coding, that is one of the, you know, the hallmarks and, and something that's it's often praised for is it has you know, these really wide, like tall ceilings, low floors, wide walls. They say it's just very flexible and you can find something for everybody. Um, and it's just, it is, it is whatever you want to create. So I think it's a, the right um, like medium to tackle that problem. Definitely. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Of course, you guys listening at home or are watching here, if you want to learn more, it's CanadaLearningCode.ca, correct? Uh, and, and there you can see, obviously, great case studies. Um, you can volunteer. You can, I mean, the, the portal has so much information here, which is extremely, extremely cool. Any, any parting words you'd like to impart with the people listening? 
Oh, I mean, just check it out, right? I think there's yeah, definitely exactly. um, <laughs> a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of like fear or hesitation, but there's something for complete beginners. There's some, you know, something for everybody, depending on where you're in the in the journey. So I definitely say check it out. There's lots, lots there. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate you taking the time. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.